Good morning. Hey, it is great to be here this morning. It's great to be in this place and to be hearing God's word. So much going on at uh, Christ Church right now, and we're excited about what God's doing in this place. Hey, uh, to start out this morning, I just wanted to thank Harry Bonham uh, for bringing the word last week. Uh, he was part of the cohort this summer. We've been looking at everyday stories in the life of Jesus, and uh, he was one of the four who joined that cohort and who brought God's word uh, to us. And so I want to thank him. Uh, I also want to thank all of you uh, who've participated in that. It was good also this morning. We have Shannon, who's here, that she participated in our first cohort as well. And so uh, that, uh, that's just been exciting to kind of see how God has raised up. And we've been discovering these others who God has given them this unique and uh, great ability just to communicate his word uh, to our congregation, to thank you all for that. Now, last week, we heard a story uh, from Harry. We were looking at a story where Jesus was in a boat. Actually, he was out of the boat. The disciples were in the boat. They're in the middle of a storm, and they're on the Sea of Galilee. And today, we're back in the Sea of Galilee or on around the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee was this large uh, inland freshwater lake that is much, it dominated the landscape a lot like how um, we have the bay that's here in our area. And so Jesus was constantly down by the seashore, walking up and down, talking to people. He was taking boats across, back and forth. He was, he was down there. Uh, sometimes he'd have to get in a boat just offshore because the crowd was so great that was there to listen to him. And it just allowed him to kind of get a little bit of space so he could teach them as well. He began his ministry down at the seashore. He was walking by the lake, and he called the four fishermen these four guys that became his first students, his first disciples. And now we find in our story that he's at the end of his ministry. This is after he's risen from the dead, after the three and a half years of ministry and of miracles. And he's at the end and he meets them again down by the seashore. So let's read this story. It's in John 21, verse 1 through 11. Let's stand together because this is the gospel. This is the word of God. John 21, 1 through 11, says, Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. That's another name for the, the Sea of Galilee. And this is how it happened. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of De Zebedee, that's James and John, and two other of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said, we'll come with you. And they went out and they got in the boat and that night they caught nothing. But when the dawn was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not recognize that it was him. And Jesus said, children, you do not have any fish, do you? And they answered, no. <laughs> and he said to them, let the net down on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll find a catch. So they did, they cast their net and they were not able to haul in the net, because of the great number of fish. Because of this, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, throughout his book, in the book of John, John constantly refers himself as, as that disciple who Jesus loved. He never uses his name, but he's talking about himself. John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that, he put on his outer cloak, for he was stripped down for work, and he jumped into the sea. The other disciples came in in the little boat for they were only about 100 yards from the shore and they were dragging a net full of fish. 
And when they got on land, they saw a charcoal fire already started and fish setting on it and bread. And Jesus said, bring some of the fish that you caught. So Simon Peter went out and he dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were that, there were so many, the net was not even torn. You know, there are times in our lives, in our life of following Jesus, where, where that, that, uh, that excitement kind of wears off, doesn't it? The, the, um, the goosebumps have gone away. Those miracles that we thought we would, we would never be able to forget become these kind of dim memories that we have a hard time remembering. There are times in following Jesus that, that as that, that fades away a little bit and we, we start to find ourselves wondering, wondering if those things that we experienced, if we really saw what we saw, if we really experienced what we experienced. And in those times, we also find our ourselves kind of wandering off, wandering back to that life that we knew before we knew Jesus. We find ourselves wandering back to that life, and, and for the disciples, that was going back to fishing. And so they were back in fishing, but when we go back to that life, the other thing that we discover, the other thing that I've discovered in my life is when we go back to that, we find that it's lost some of its... its um, it's excitement too. It's lost a little bit. It, it, it kind of pales in comparison. It's a bit lifeless. It's a bit underwhelming. But experiencing that, that life and that kind of letdown in that moment, as the disciples did, we also find that that's the very place that Jesus comes and he meets us and he calls us again. He calls us back into that life that he intended for us, that life that he prepared for us. And he calls us to come in even deeper. He calls us to come in even further and experience even more of what he has prepared for us. Today, the message that I'm bringing from everyday stories in the life of Jesus is called Underwhelming. Underwhelming, a story of redirection. Father, this morning, we are here and we are here to hear your word. We're not, we're not here to hear just a story, but to hear your voice behind that story speaking to us. Because honestly, some of us are in that place. We're coming to this place because we're looking for that redirection. We found that our experience of life is a bit underwhelming. It's just not what it used to be. It's not what we had hoped it to be. We found that we've wandered off, that we've We've started to wonder about what, what really happened in this life with Jesus. And so, Father, we pray that by your grace, you would meet us here. Father, it's not my words that people need, it's yours. So I ask that you would be speaking through me, that you would be speaking in spite of me at times, Lord, so that we might hear your voice. Jesus, we might hear your voice as you call us again and you call us to come in further, that you call us to come in deeper into that life that you made us for, that you made for us, that you have called us to. Pray this in the name of the Father, for your glory, in the name of the Son, Jesus, by the power of your Spirit. Amen. You know, when I was growing up, 
I remember hearing stories about missionaries. Missionaries were those people that left everything. They went literally across the world, across the globe, and then they would, at times even, they would lay their lives down just to be able to have the opportunity to tell other people about Jesus. When I was growing up, I remember there was a time we were camping one time. We were out at this campground, and there was this group. This was the late 60s, early 70s, and there were all these hippies running around, but this was a group of young adults, 25 to 30-something years old, you know, and they're, they're running around, and, and they just met Jesus. And so they, they went around to every person in the camp, and they invited them to come to their campfire to hear their story, to hear how how they had met this, this Jesus and about this thing that had changed their lives. I remember when I was growing up, I'd hear these stories from these guys that were in this choral group that my dad uh, used to conduct. And, and they would tell about these incredible ways that God had met them, that God had rescued them out of this brokenness that they had known in their lives. And he had transformed their lives and made them whole, had healed them, had, had brought them to life. And I remember when I was younger and I'd hear these stories and I would think, I wish that I could experience whatever it was or whatever it is that they've experienced so that I too would have that same kind of confidence, that same kind of draw, drive, that same kind of uh, readiness to do whatever it was that God was calling me to do. But then, you know, time went on and I kind of it, that kind of faded a little bit. Uh, it, it kind of drifted out of, I wasn't thinking about that as much, but then late in high school, we had moved to Colorado, and I, I, I saw this group in my high school, this group of students, this group of other kids just like me, and they were living out their faith in that same way. They had that same kind of conviction. They had the same confidence that showed that same kind of compassion and that grace for other people that had so um, intrigued me and kind of caught my attention when I was younger. And I remember thinking to myself, I, I have to, I got to find out what that is. And so I started hanging out with them. I started hanging out with them. I started watching what they did, watching how they followed Jesus, how they lived out their faith. And I started trying to imitate and do the things that I saw them doing, the things that that I had always wanted to do in my life, but I had never gotten around to doing, but I started following Jesus. And then I started seeing Jesus. He starts showing up in my life too, starts changing things. I start opening the word of God. I start reading, and it's like God's speaking to me now. I'm not just reading a book. I start seeing things. It's those going through days where I'm learning new stuff every day, and I'm, I'm having this experience where you just... It's like God is showing up right in your presence and you just get these goosebumps and, and, and you see God doing things. I, I wanna tell you, I saw God do miracles that just I could not explain. There's a large part of that, that season of my life where, where Jesus was as real next to me as any of you are in this room. But then kind of I drifted away from that. I got busy. I moved to another town. I got another job. Started another school. Started having to pay, pay real bills. Face life. Kind of grow up. That's what they said. I started to drift away from that. I started to wander away from the life that I had known. I started to wonder if these things that I had experienced were real at all. Started wandering back to that life that I had known before. 
When I talk about wandering back to that life, I, I started drifting away from the friends that I had known. Our lives went different direction, and I started to wonder if this was real. So I want you to know that I, I can relate to these disciples. I get it. I understand. I mean, we have times, sometimes when we read these stories in the New Testament, we read these stories in the Bible, we have a hard time understanding because here's this story where years are compressed into pages and, and where sometimes weeks are compressed into just a few lines. And we think, how in the world could somebody walk with Jesus and see what they had seen? They saw him rise from the dead. They saw him heal and, and, and walk on water. They saw all these things. How could they do that for three and a half years and then come to the point somehow that they say, you know what, I'm gonna go back to fishing. See, how in the world could that have ever happened? You know, and we see it in the Old Testament as well because hundreds of years before Jesus ever came, God's people, he had reached down into this, this empire of Egypt. It was the greatest empire in the world at the time. And he had just laid that empire low and he had rescued his people. He had literally walked them through this huge body of water as if it was dry land. But then a couple of weeks later, you know what they're saying? They're saying, you know what? Maybe we ought to go back to Egypt. Maybe we ought to go back. Sure, it was kind of rough. Kind of rough. Kind of rough there. Sure, there were, you know, we were slaves and stuff, but at least we got something to eat. At least we didn't have to just every day eat this bread-like substance that shows up every morning on the ground. They're literally, they're looking at this, this sustenance that God provided for them out of nowhere. They're looking at a miracle, and they're saying, I think we ought to go back to Egypt. Because it's easy to drift. It's easy to wander and, and to begin to wonder whether this is all real. You know, and I don't need to, I've I found that I, I don't need to look back to the New Testament or back to the Old Testament. I don't need to look that far. I can look at my own life. Because I, I want you to know, I love Jesus. And I want desperately to follow him with all of my heart. I want to be all in like Harry talked about last week. I want to jump in, not just with both feet, but with all that I am. But sometimes it can take only like half a day. I can see the most amazing miracle, the most amazing healing I've ever seen in my life. And it can take maybe half a day for me to start going, did I really see that? Start thinking, maybe I ought to get back to the life I knew. Start wandering back to the life I knew. And for some of us, that's a life where, where everything was about pursuing our career or that life where everything is finding that next party or, or where, where everything is about gathering more friends around us to, so that we can make our life look better, that, we can, that we, can make, we can feel better in our lives, whatever it takes. It takes me maybe half a day to get there. So I get it. I understand, I think we all do, what the, what the disciples are going through. For the disciples, this life meant they were going back to fishing. Now, one of the things that they found right away, though, is that when we have responded to God's call, when we are his, when he makes that appeal, that invitation to us to be all in, and we, we say, yes, I will do that, we follow him, something changes at that moment. And that then even when we do begin to to, and it may be him, it may be something in us, but even if we do drift back to that life, we begin to wander back to that life that we knew before. It just isn't the same. 
There's something missing. It's, it's not as exciting. It's a bit underwhelming. We find that there's something about meeting Jesus. There's something about that experience of the life that he has, that he has intended for us that everything else begins to pale, begins to come up short when it's compared. We don't even have the same feelings and experiences, but we remember them. And when we put up those, those new feelings of this old life, we go, this is, is it's a bit underwhelming. I want you to think about this. Do you remember, do you remember that when you first met Jesus, that sense of peace that came over you? as you realize that you did not have to be anxious anymore. You weren't doing this all on your own anymore. Do you remember that sense of, of just freedom and, and release that came and, and clean, just cleansing that came as you realized that he had taken all of your brokenness, all of your sin, all of that, that, that just that rottenness you didn't even like to look at yourselves. He had taken it all on himself. He had taken it from you and he had just washed you clean. Do you remember that? Do you remember that feeling of relief when you realized you weren't just not on your own, but God had scooped you up. He had made you his own, his own child. He now held you in his hand. You never had to worry about being out there and trying to do it alone on your own. Do you remember the joy that came as you remember you had finally, when you experienced that you had finally found what you had always been looking for? Do you remember that? Because even though we may not be experiencing all that in its fullness, when we take the, sometimes we'll take that peace that we, we have that as we're looking at a sunset, but we hold that up against the peace that, we, that came when we came to know Jesus, and it just comes up a little short. We find it's not the same without God there. We've drifted off from God, and we find that the experiences that we have, they're just not the same as when you have that experience, and you know God's right in the room with you, and he's right in the middle of what you see happening. It just becomes a bit overwhelming. And, and the thing is, is that God's not, God's not satisfied to stop there. It, when we read this story, we find that God steps in, and he, does, he takes it one step further. He's not, it's not just okay for it to pale in comparison. He, he literally just kind of takes the bottom out of it. He sets us up for this, an even bigger letdown. And you go, does God really do that? He sets us up for letdown. He does. He does in these situations when it's, it's setting him up so that we can see how vulnerable, how empty, how, how weak and, and powerless we are and dependent we are on him. He sets us up and he takes all of it away. For the disciples in our story, what happened was they decide to go out fishing and, and you got to remember, these are professionals. These are fishermen. They're dads, and their dad's dads, and probably their dad's dad's dads are fishermen. They know this lake. They know where to fish and how to fish and when to fish. They know how to find fish in this lake, and they're out all night, and they get nothing. That was God. God saying, listen, I'm the one who directs the fish in the sea. I'm the God of the land and the sky and the sea. I'm the God who created it all and who still rules over it all. And I have called you to something more than this. Called you to walk with me. Has God ever done that to you? I know he's done it to me. 
where I found myself, I've, I've drifted a little too far, I've gotten a little too satisfied, I've gotten to that point where I'm saying, you know, I think I can do this life thing without God. And then there's that day that I find I fail at the thing I never fail at. There's that day that I experienced that, that when I, that thing that always gave me joy, always filled me up, it just leaves me just empty, just blah. That's God. And the reason he does it is so that we can hear him, so that we can begin, we can begin to see how dependent, how, how empty we are without him. You know, in those times, in those times we find that when we fail like that, we find this, we we come to this place and it's just this emptiness, but there's this terror that's there too because we realize how small, how vulnerable, how, how powerless we actually are if God's not in the picture. But in those moments, those are the moments where Jesus meets us. You know, and in those moments though, we don't turn to God and we say, well, thank you. Thank you for this gift. It is. It's the gift of God. But we usually don't say, thank you, God. Instead, you know what we do? We turn to him and say, what are you doing? Are you kidding me? You know, my whole life is miserable now, and now you're taking away this thing too? This one thing that I had left? What are you doing? But that's where Jesus shows up. Because that's where we start to realize how, how alone we actually are, how small we actually are if Jesus isn't there. Now, in our story, there's a lot of things that happen at this point, and, and there's no way I can hit all of them. There's layer after layer after layer. It's an amazing thing that happens right here. But there's a few things I want to highlight because I think that, one, they're kind of funny. The second is I think we can relate to most of them. Uh, first, first what happens is they're in this boat. They've just fished all night. They've come up empty. And there's a guy sat on the shore. They don't recognize who it is yet. And he calls out to them. He calls out to these guys. They've been working all night. They're tired. They're grumpy. They're starting to question every decision they've made in life that got them to this point. But he calls out to them and says, hey, guys, you don't have any fish, do you? <laughs> right? You go, No. Hey, why don't you try the other side of the boat? How do you think that went over? Right? Can you, can you see the disciples in there? Oh, look, guys, there's a whole other side of the boat. We didn't think of that. Thanks so much. Really, you mean just toss it out on this side? Yeah, hadn't thought of that. Good. We'll just throw the net out on this side like this, like that. And all of a sudden, there was a bigger catch of fish than they had ever seen. They had trouble pulling it out. Like, Whoa! Now that moment, John, John who's the youngest, says to Peter, now you remember Peter, Peter's the one who came up with this fishing venture to begin with, right? And John turns to Peter and he says, I think it's Jesus. <laughs> and Peter, look at what Peter does. Peter, it says he puts on his outer garment because he had been stripped down for work. Now I wanna ask you something. When you go swimming, do you put on your clothes? No, that's not what we do. You take off your clothes, you strip down your swimsuit, and you go swimming. Peter's putting, what do we put on our clothes? We put on our clothes for like a walk in the park, maybe. And you're going, what is going on here? Peter's putting on, is he so out of his mind? No, 
When was the last time that, one of the last times that Peter saw Jesus on the distance and he was in a boat? Well, this is the story we talked about last week, right? They're in the storm and Jesus says, come on, walk out to me. And he walks on water a little bit. I just see Peter going, okay, I'm gonna get this one right. Here's another opportunity. I think I'm gonna just walk right across that water. I'll just keep my eyes on Jesus and we'll just walk. And it says literally, he threw himself into the sea, kind of like it caught him off guard. You know, he just like, boosh. Because he's thinking, hey, I'm, I'm in. If that's him, I'm all in. And he walks out. Well, he finds himself, doesn't work. He just splashes in, swims ashore, fully clothed. And then when he gets there, he finds another miracle's happened. Because there says Jesus. Now, in this time in Jesus' ministry, he's just showing up places. Nobody knows how he gets in, how he gets out. He just kind of appears, disappears. So he's not stopping in stores. He's not walking places necessarily in the way that we normally think of. But he's sitting there, and he has a fire. And you're going, okay, God can start fire. I get that. There's fish. You're going, well, he just directed a bunch of fish into the net. I get that. So maybe a couple jumped onto the shore. He threw them on the fire. I get that. And there's bread. Where do you get the bread? I mean, suddenly Jesus is sitting there with a whole meal in front of him, and he's just kind of appeared there to these disciples. And then Peter, who just has had this kind of flashback of walking on the water, now he's standing there. And when was the last time they saw Jesus with fish and bread talking about a meal? And he turns to them and he says, hey, why don't you bring some of the fish that you've caught? When was the last time that Jesus was with fish and bread and he was asking, is there any food that you've brought that we can share as well? There's one incident that's recorded in all four gospels. That's the feeding of the 5,000 where Jesus takes five loaves and two fish and he divides it among 5,000 men, probably 10,000 people. And he feeds them all with 12 baskets full of spare. So here's Peter, and he, he walks up, and he sees fish and bread, and again, flashback. One of the greatest experiences, miracles that he ever saw. And then we didn't read this part, but the passage goes on. We didn't read it. It was a little long, but I want to tell you about this part. Then Jesus says, hey, Peter, we need to have a conversation. He pulls Peter aside. He says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. He says, well, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? He says, Lord, you, you know I love you. He says, well, tend to my lambs. He says, Peter, and this time, he didn't just say, do you love me, but he used a word that meant, Peter, do you even love me like a friend? Do you love me the way that you're saying that you love me? And it says, Peter's heart was broken. It was broken not only because of the way that Jesus asked and the words, the, the way he had phrased that, but also because he had asked three times. And Peter knew that just before Jesus had gone and was crucified, Peter had denied Jesus three times. Denied he even knew Jesus three times. The last time he had ever seen Jesus, he was in the midst of saying, I don't even know the man. Peter, do you love me? He says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus says, well, feed, feed my sheep. They have a bit more of a conversation. And then Jesus ends this, this incident, this moment with him, this story with him, with the same words that he'd spoken to Peter on the seashore at the very beginning. He says, Peter, 
follow me. Just follow me. Hmm. You guys, sometimes we get away from God, don't we? Sometimes whatever it is, we, we start to wonder. We start drifting away and we wonder if what we saw was true, if what we felt was real. We start to then, we start to wander and we drift back to that life that we had known. We drift away from what we were called to do. We start to wander back into that life. We wonder about those experiences that we had. You know, last week, some of you guys made decisions as, as Harry talked about, what does it mean to be all in? And you entered that relationship with Jesus for the first time. And here we are a week later, or some, some of you made a decision two weeks ago, or maybe a month ago, and you're in this place where you're in that time where it's not too far away, but, but already you begin to, you're saying, Man, did I really, was I hearing God? Was that him tugging at my heart? Was that something that I was just emotionally kind of, was that me stirring up? We start to wonder, and because of that, we start drifting away. Some of you have gotten to that point that you've already made the decision, you've already wandered back into the life you knew before. Without Jesus, you've wandered back into that. Some of you are at that point that God's already pulled the bottom out. And you're standing there shaking your hands at God. You go, God, are you going to take, what are you doing? Are you taking this away from me too? Some of us have wandered. We've wandered, we've wandered, and we find ourselves in these places if you're there, get ready. If you're there in that place of wondering, that place of doubt, that place of questioning and drifting, get ready. Because what Jesus tells us in this story, this is where Jesus meets us to call us back again. And sometimes he does this once, sometimes he does this three, four, ten times, if that's what's necessary, to call us back, to call us in a bit further, a bit deeper. But we find that if we are going to go into that life he's calling us to, we have to let behind, we have to leave behind everything of what we've come from. We need to leave that old behind. You see what Jesus did when he told the disciples, cast your net out, when he had them haul in this huge this huge haul of fish, he's, he's telling them, you know what, if I wanted you to be great at catching fish, I could make, you, it'd be like that. I could make you great at, at catching fish. If I wanted you to be good at this career that you say that you're so passionate about, I could just say the word, you'd be the best. If I wanted you to have influence in this group of people, I would open up the doors of favor, I'd pour it out on your life, and you could be that, that, that one who influences them. But instead, you find yourself in this place, this place of, of kind of loneliness and, and fear and, and, and shake, like you're by yourself and you're shaking your hands at the sky. And we say, why does God set us up for failure like that at times? Why does God set us up for that letdown? It's so that we will remember the greatness and the fullness of what he has called us to, that we won't take the imitation instead of the real. that we'll start to remember that it's not gonna be through our best effort. It's not gonna be through, through luck or through training or through, through our uh, natural abilities that we're gonna gain what we've always longed for. God may use those things, but he is not dependent on those things. He wants us to know that the only true life-giving influence and success that will be found in our life comes from him and only him. 
If you're gonna be successful at that career that he's called you to, it's only because he has called you to that place so that you might be his representative, his ambassador in that marketplace for his kingdom and for his purposes to the people around you. If he intends for you to have influence in, in, a, in a group of people or in a generation, it's, it's going to be him that pours out favor. It's going to be him that opens up doors. It's going to be him that uses you to influence and, and to bring those people, to bring them into that life he intended. He said, I don't want for you to be just people who catch fish good. <laughs> he says, I want you to be those who catch people and drag them into this kingdom, into this love and this relationship and this life that I've always intended for them. We can only be best. We will only find success as a parent, as a friend, as a mentor, as a person when we realize that success only comes from Jesus. When we come to the end of ourselves, we lay it aside and we just follow him. Now, some of you guys, you might be listening to this and you're thinking, you know, I, now I, only, I got called once. I'm still walking with Jesus. That is great. Some of you guys, for me, that hasn't happened. <laughs> he's had to call me back twice, three, ten times he's called me back. And again and again, he shows me that his, his, how great his love is for me, that he would not leave me to wander and to wander off forever. Instead, he chases me down every time to bring me back into the fullness of what he has intended for me. Some of the things that I've learned from him that I hope that we can take this morning from this. One of the things is this. When God is about to redirect, how do we know that it's coming? It's because as you look around, you'll start seeing familiar things. You'll start seeing those things that remind you of the days that you have spent, of that walk, of those miracles, of the, just the wonder of walking with Jesus And you'll see those things all around you. As you're shaking your hands at the heavens, you're going, why are you doing this? And you look down and you say, oh, I wonder what the bread and fish are doing there. Oh, wow, you asked me three times about that question. Do you notice that Jesus, he brought his disciples, he met them back at the the seashore to remind them of where he called them first. He met them with bread and fish so he could remind them of that day that they spent feeding those thousands of people with just a little bit and saw the miracle, the presence, the power of God. He calls Peter and he asks him three times so he can remind him that even your greatest failures are being overcome. You're being rescued. You're being redeemed. You're being forgiven. Even from the chaos that you intentionally brought into this thing, I've met you here to call you out of that, to call you into what God has for you. God may set us up to come to the end of ourselves, but it is only so that we might discover the life that he intended for us and redirect us in that place. So when you look, when you get to those places that you look at, it's frustrating and you're just, you're at the end of your rope. Look around. See if you don't recognize some of the surroundings. See if God isn't getting ready because you can, when you're in that place, expect to find Jesus on the shore, whatever that means, calling out, hey, follow me. Come and follow me. And when he does that, when you hear Jesus call you, I want to encourage you, there's a second thing I've learned is that do what Peter did. 
Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Be the first one off that boat. Expect a miracle. If it thinks, you think, hey, this, maybe I'm going to walk across the water, put your coat on, just jump out of that boat. Peter said, I'm not waiting another second. I got to get this thing back on. I got to get back in line with what Jesus is doing. I miss it. There's a hole inside that I miss it. I want back into that life that he's called me to. And he was out of that boat. He laid everything. He just jumped in. He was all in. He dropped everything, suited up, and he was the first to see him. And because of that, he was the first to see the fish and the the bread. He was the first to be able to have that conversation where he was restored to Jesus. So expect Jesus to show up, be the first without hesitation. But third, don't hesitate because of this. When the choice comes, when the call comes again to follow me, know that it is always your decision whether or not you will. It is always. Jesus isn't going to force you to follow him. You always call to follow. So this morning, will you let yourself be underwhelmed by this life? Will you let yourself look at life and admit that this is only a pale imitation of the life that I've known with Jesus? Will you let God bring you to the end of yourself and instead of being frustrated and angry at him, will you let him bring you to the end of yourself so you can see how much you are missing without him and how much you need him, how much better your life is, how much he, that life is that he intended you, that life with him, of walking with him, of following him. Will you let him do his work so that you can be underwhelmed and then redirected, your efforts redirected, your focus redirected to him, your, your ears redirected to his words so you can hear what he says, you can hear his call as he says, just follow me. Stand up and follow me. I'm going to pray here in a second, but this morning I want, we're going to end this morning with communion. And communion is one of those times, this isn't just about eating some bread and drinking some juice. This is a place where we meet Jesus. This is where we hear the call of Jesus. We hear him calling wherever we're coming from, whatever the brokenness or that that place that we're coming from, we hear him calling. He's saying, come back and follow me. So wherever you are, wherever you're coming from, whatever the situation that you're in, Jesus is inviting you to this table. Not to do an act of some religious importance. This is is an act of relationship and connection. To remember, to be restored, to be redirected, to stand up again and follow him. It says on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body. It's been broken for you. So take it and, and eat. He took the cup and he said, this is, this is the new covenant that's in my blood. It's been poured out to, to just wash Wipe away the sins, those barriers that stood between us and God. It just, the sins of the many. So take this and drink. Because as often 
as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you remember me and you proclaim my death until I come again. Father, we ask in this moment that you would take these very simple elements and that you would make them yours. It would become those vehicles of grace that you've intended for us and that we too would become those vehicles of grace to this world. Father, take this bread and make it yours. Take this wine and make it yours. Take this time and this place wherever we are and meet us in that place. Let us hear your voice and come to this table to meet with you. Let us not hesitate. I pray that we jump up to be at this table to be with you. Take swimming with all our clothes on that we would do that to not wait another second but to come to this place to be with you. We are underwhelmed by this world and we are caught up in your glory. So we pray that you would meet us here in the name of the Father and in the Son 